agree. So I was saying that it's super important we know who we are because there's no point trying to um, do stuff for God if we don't know who God says we are. There's no there's no point trying to live for God or there's no point trying to um, trying to fulfill God's live out God's purpose for our lives, right? If we don't really know who we are, and the reason why another major reason why it's important we know who we are is because you know, like we read last week, the Bible says that whoever is in Christ is a new creature, meaning that nobody has known this creature before, including you. You don't even know this creature before. You are used to your old self. You are used to your, your former way of living. You are used to your identity in the world. You know how people say that, um, oh, me, if I just see, if I just see woman like this, I know if you carry my eyes or more, I just, they, if I just see men, my body just give me like this. So they are used to that identity. All right, or someone says that uh -uh, is it not is not is not how much hundred thousand and one million? What's the difference? It's only zero, only one zero is the difference. Maybe we just write the thing now. Nobody don't worry, we'll go pray, God will forgive us. Last last we'll go there, all right? We'll go pay tight for that kind of money after all, you know. So they are used to that kind of identity. And even you, I mean, for, for someone who's come from the world, that is how you've always known yourself to be, all right. But when you come to Christ, the Bible says that you're a new creature. And you know the, the amazing thing is that your your memory of your the memory of your former ways do, doesn't automatically erase. Like for instance, someone who smokes, who used to smoke before, will not forget where to buy or will not automatically forget um, where to buy cigarettes. Do you get if if for instance, if you used to buy cigarettes um, down the street, right, and then he gives his life to Christ today, he will not just suddenly forget the shop where he buys cigarettes. Do you understand? So the memory of his former way of living will still be there, all right? And he and he, he has the choice to tilt towards that memory or to learn his new identity. And so this is super important for every single believer to really know who you are in Christ Jesus, all right? So we looked at this um, for the past two weeks. And last week, we looked at our general identity or what I'll call our corporate identity as believers, um, what every believer is called to be or who every believer is called to be, okay? And we looked at two, just two things we focused on. We looked at the fact that we are ambassadors for Christ. And then we looked at the fact that we are, who remembers the second one, please? Can you imagine this? Look, my, my daughter. The second point was, um, we are ambassadors for Christ. One, the second was, we are, hey, why is this keeping my heart? Separated. We are what? Separated, I guess. We cannot for my hand. Separate. <laughs> separate. Hold on, let me check my my notes. Um, we are interesting. I can't believe that this is in my memory. We are ambassadors for Christ. Good. Yes, we're separated. Yes, yeah, correct. Very correct. It was separated unto God. Yes, and under that separation, we we emphasized on holiness, right, as an identity because as a product of our identity, we are because we are separated to God. And so therefore we cannot, you know, you know what sanctification means to be set apart, all right? And so because we are separated to God, the act of separation automatically means we can't be involved in every other thing that the world is involved in, all right? And so that's the basis for our holiness. And we looked at the fact that God's love is the reason why we decide to live a holy life, not because we are afraid of God's judgment and of which God's judgment does exist, right? But we're not, we're not, deciding to live holy lives because we are we are afraid so fear is not the motivation rather love is the motivation meaning we have come to god we've seen how much god loves us 
how that he sent his son to die for us and all that his grace has provided for us. And out of that, um, out of the absorption of his love, you know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. So after we've tasted that the Lord is good, right? It is just a logical thing to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. So we looked at those two identities that, that this is corporate identity. Now, every believer is called to be an ambassador for Christ and every believer is called to be separated unto God, all right? So today, what I want us to look at today, and um, I really would love us to have that conversation, you know, towards the end of today's study. What I want us to look at today is our unique identity in Christ. What I mean by this is, yes, we have a corporate identity that every believer is called into, but then we are also, in, in Christ now, we all play unique roles in Christ. So the role that, for instance, faith plays is different from the role that Tumi plays. Is different from the role that Nonso plays and Jacob and uh, sorry and and um, Jacobi and then Shema plays as well. So we all have different roles, even though we are in this in the same body of Christ. And then there's the corporate identity we all sustain. Okay. So I want us to explore this concept and look at it a bit in today's study. So to start with, let someone read for us First Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, again, I, I said at the beginning that fortunately we don't have we don't have slides today, so please enjoy my face and um, yeah, let's study together. All right, so First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twelve to thirteen. So what this means is that please, I'll need a lot of um, uh, what's it called interactions from us. So please, we are there. You can read for us um, First Corinthians chapter twelve, verses twelve to eighteen. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, we are all privileged to drink deeply of the same spirit. In fact, the Holy the human body is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled in one. So if the foot were to say, since I am not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's forgetting that it is still a vital part of the body. And if the ear were to say, since I'm not an eye, I'm not really a part of the body, it's forgetting that it's still an important part of the body. 17, think of it this way. If the whole body were just an eyeball, how would you hear sounds? Mm -hmm. If the whole body were just an ear, how would you smell different fragrances? But God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, uh, was, is this the TPT, Passion Translation? Yes. Yes, awesome. So put it in very clear terms that I probably don't need to explain much. But let me just go right again quickly. So Paul was explaining how that the same way the body is one, so also in Christ we are all one, all right? And, and for instance, the purpose of the entire body, um, okay, let, let me give an instance for, for, for an instance right now. Um, you don't, you won't use your body to, um, if you want to break, for instance, you want to break stones, right? You won't use your body to break stones because your body was not designed to break stones. No matter, there's no part of your body that is designed to break a rock. Okay, you probably look for a hammer or something that is fit for that purpose. All right, if you want to 
um, I don't do whatever it is. There are certain functions your body as a whole cannot carry out. Okay. And then when we come even to the body itself, the body is made up of several parts. And that's exactly what Paul was explaining that each part of the body has its own unique purpose, it has its own unique identity. And that there's no part of the body that is useless. You get there's no part of the body that is not um, functional. There's no part of the body that is not valuable. All right. And, and he goes on to say that imagine if the eye were to say, Oh, I no longer want to be the eye, I want to be the ear. Because I mean, look at it. Uh, when you want to wear face mask, you wear face mask on the on the ear, you wear glasses on the ear, you put your earphones on the ear. And uh, that means the ear is so important. I want to be the ear. Then the eye forgets that if, if the eye doesn't, we don't have eyes, we'll not even be able to identify which is face mask or which is earphones and all of that. Okay. So Paul was using that analogy to explain our operations in the body of Christ. So this is to but this is to show us that even though we are all one in Christ and uh, in terms of being one body, yet even in Christ we have unique identities. Okay. And what you are called to be in Christ or who God has called you to be in Christ will be very will most likely be different from um who God has called the other person to be. And the beauty of this diversity is that the body is the body is built up by in fact, you know, um, the book of Ephesians puts it this way: that it's built up by what each each part of the body supplies, right? What each um, um, organ, what each system, what each bone supplies to the body. So your you recognizing who you are is very instrumental to the overall growth of the body of Christ, if that makes sense. So if you've discovered your identity and you discovered who God has called you to be in Christ and you begin to function in that identity, then you are ultimately supplying strength to the entire body of Christ. And this is, where, this is one area where I believe um, Christians will have to really be careful because, you know, as, import, as important as it is to have uh, what we call mentors, role models, you know, spiritual fathers and all of that, we also need to be careful that we don't, we don't exchange our unique identity in an attempt to... Um, follow a model that is before us, all right? God has placed, of course, God has placed fathers, mentors, mentors rather, um, teachers and all of that above us so that we can learn from them. But at the same time, we need to learn our unique identity and the way God functions with us. And a good example is to look at Moses and Jacob, sorry, Moses and Joshua, sorry, that when Moses, Moses was a mighty man of God, all right? When Moses um, led Israel. He performed so many miracles. And in fact, a time came when, <clears throat> when Moses was going to part the Red Sea. And God used the staff in Moses' hand as an instrument to part the Red Sea. Okay? And even when it, came, when it, became, when it was time for him to part the Jordan also, um, there was a, God gave Moses a method to part the Jordan. However, when Moses died, we now see Joshua coming on the scene. And when Joshua came on the scene, um, God, God, God was going to work with Joshua and God was going to, in fact, God told Joshua that the same way he was with Moses, it is the same way he would be with him. All right. Now the assumption Joshua could have had is to say, oh, since God worked with Moses with a staff, right, with a, with a staff, let me go and look for a staff, even though Joshua had never needed a staff all his life. The mistake Joshua could have made is to say, well, Moses did miracles with the staff. Imagine he threw, he threw the staff down. The staff became a snake. So let me also go and look for a staff so that God will do miracles with. But that's not what Joshua did. Joshua found his own method with God. And when he discovered his own method, the same Jordan that Moses parted 
was the same Jordan that he also that he also parted. Praise God. <clears throat> so we see that yes, we we might have fathers and mentors and spiritual leaders, but God is not calling us to be a carbon copy of them. God is calling us to re reflect and re and um, express God His own unique identity through our lives. All right. So this is what we want to look at today. Okay, so second scripture for our introduction is Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 to verse 5. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 to verse 5. Again, please, if you are there, go ahead and read for us. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 to 5. Anyone there? <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1 to 5. Um, nobody there. Okay. The Lord. Hallelujah. Isaiah 49, 1 to 5. I read yes, from, uh, uh, let me, let me get an LT. All right. Okay. Listen to me, all you in distant lands, pay attention. You who are far away, the Lord called me before my birth. Hmm. From within the womb, he called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. Hmm. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose, yet I leave it in the hand, in the Lord's hands. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in the mother's, in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. Wow, hallelujah. I, I really love the translation and how he puts it. So this was uh, prophetic, right? And then the prophet began to say, you know, listen unto me, put from afar and all of that. And he says in verse one that the Lord has called me before my birth. I, I like the way NLT puts it. Say the Lord called me before my birth, all right? And then he says from um, King James here, he says, from the bowels of my, of my mother had he made mention of my name, meaning God called me, even before I came into this world. And this describes the state of everyone, literally, whether believers or unbelievers, that God has an identity for every single person before we came into this world. Now, the, the, the question is, is I mean, the, the difference now comes in between the identity that God calls us and what, what we actually do in the world eventually. And obviously, you, you can tell that Many people live their lives without even knowing who God has called them to be. And unfortunately, sometimes people know who, they call, who God has called them to be, but for several reasons, don't end up working in the path or working in the realization of the identity that God has called them to live in. But what the prophet reveals to us is that before we were born, God knew us. And that is a powerful statement, meaning that before you, for, I mean, the way we say it in Nigeria, before you knew what Sapa meant, God already called you and ordained you, right? God already called you and he knew your name. And what that already suggests to us is that there's no activity on earth. There's no activity in time 
that can drown or cancel who God has called you to be because God had already called you before you existed in time. Do you understand that? Meaning that there's no journey you go through on the earth in time that would be greater than the identity that God has called you before you came to time. Do you understand that? All right, so the, the uh, prophet lets us know that before we were born, before God, before our parents even decided, before our parents discovered whether we'll be male or female, before our parents um, discovered, decided what name to give us, okay? Before our parents knew what we liked, before we knew anything, God had already called us and he knew us by name. And this is such a comforting revelation. You know, when we're looking, before we got married, um, when we're looking for a place to stay, and one day I went to God and I prayed and said, God, you knew I was going to get married by this time. So if I come to pray to you and say, hey, God, it's time for me to get married, it's not news to you. So I said, God, lead us to the house you have prepared for us before the house you have prepared for us to stay when we get married. Because I know this house accommodation matter is not news to you. You had already planned for it. And why was I confident in it? I was confident in that prayer because I knew God loved me. All right. And I know God loves me. And I know that there's nothing in my life that will take God by surprise, because if he knew my name before I was born, then he, he has he knew he knows everything about me, you know, before I, I'm, I'm giving birth to. OK. And so when I prayed that prayer, in all honesty, God led us to a place and we knew that we were led by God. And this verse is comforting because when you look at what you are going through in your life currently, it, there's nothing that takes God by surprise. So if God knew you before you were born, then there's no circumstance you are going through that is a surprise to him. Do you understand that? So let's take it again. Verse 1 says, the Lord has called me from the womb. So I want to emphasize again to us that there's an identity that God has of you before you were born. That identity is an eternal identity. All right? Before you, I, I mean, whatever your name, your, whatever name your parents gave to you, there's an identity, there's a name that God calls you by. And it is not so much of a nomenclature as it is of an identity. So for instance, yes, my name is Victor, but the name God called me is not, I'm not, when we say the name God called, called us, right? We're not referring necessarily to the name we are being called right now on earth. The name in, in God's perspective represents an identity, okay? So that identity, the prophet reveals to us that God knew that identity before we were born. And what we now do in, on earth, right? And this is what we call, you know, fulfilling purpose or fulfilling destiny and all of that. What we do on earth is to align ourselves with the identity that God has already called us to be, okay? So the first thing is to discover the identity. And then the second thing is now to live out the identity. And it so happens that God designed it in such a way that um, you cannot discover the identity and live out the identity except you are in Christ. Because God has factored all of, all, all of our lives in Christ. You know, the Bible says that it is by him and for him that all things were created, including us. So there is nothing we would be that would make sense outside the government of Christ. All right? And that identity can only be discovered and fully actualized in Christ Jesus. So when you see unbelievers um, living out whatever versions of themselves, um, if it is not in Christ, right, then heaven, unfortunately now, no matter how great a person is, at the end of the day, heaven's measurement, heaven's metrics is simple. Was it in Christ? 
and that's the that's the end if it was not in christ then destiny in from god's perspective is not said to have been fulfilled because all things are all things are, are all things were created for christ and were created by christ all right so we look at verse five says okay no verse two and he had made me and he had made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand had he hid me and made me a polished shaft in, the, in his quiver had he hid me. So the prophet was beginning to, went on rather to explain, um, went on to explain the, the discovery of his identity that he had discovered. He says, God has made my mouth like a sharp sword. And you know, it's amazing how that your confidence in, your confidence in life would always be a derivative of the revelation of who you are. Meaning that the reason why people are confident in God is because they know who they are in God. When you see people do mighty things for God, right, by, by whatever standard, when you see people do mighty things for God, the reason why they do that is because they are confident in who, in who they have discovered themselves to be in Christ Jesus. All right. And verse 5 says, and now said the Lord that formed me from the womb. And the, I, I guess the emphasis for this scripture for us is that God formed us from the womb. God knew us before we were giving birth to. And it is this identity that God wants us to embrace and to live out on earth, all right? So I jotted a few things down, but I want us to read another passage of scripture just before we I, I, I go through some things I jotted down, all right? And I'm sure you're probably already guessing the scripture. And if you guess correct, then it is Jeremiah chapter 1, um, verse 4 to 7. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 7. I just want to first establish that God, God has an identity for us even before we're born, right? We're not trying to come to this life to, to say or to determine who we are. We, the only thing we do in this life is to discover who God has made us to be, all right? And um, before we let me just say this, this is where, this is one area where um, we need to be careful when we listen to motivational speakers from the world, all right? Because you hear things like, you can be whoever you, you decide to be, or you can be you can decide who you want to be. While that sounds like an empowering statement, it is not biblically accurate. You cannot determine who you want to be. You can only discover who God has made you to be. Let me take that again. When you come to God, you don't determine who you want to be. There's no such thing like that. In Christ, we only discover who God has already made us to be. All right, um, Jeremiah, as it chapter 10 now, uh, let me see if I can find that. So before we go to Jer Jeremiah chapter one, but there's a place in Jeremiah, please permit me to look for it. I think, I believe chapter 10, that says that um, it is not given to man um, who is flesh to determine his ways. Um, where is this scripture? Or is it 27 verse 10? Um, please give me a minute. If I don't find it, okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't find it right now. But it, it plays in Jeremiah that says, um, and faith. Please do me a favor. Help me find that scripture. Right? It says that it's not given to man for to to de to decide his steps or to um, to determine his steps. Um, basically, all right. So we don't have that luxury. That's what I'm trying to say. When you come to Christ, we don't have that luxury. So we need to be careful with quote and unquote empowering statements. That says so no, Jeremiah that chapter 10, verse 23. Oh, thank you. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Oh, yes, perfect. So I was partly correct. So Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23 says, Oh Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. Meaning, 
The part that, <coughs> that man would take does not originate from him. It is not in himself. He says, it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And this is why, like I said, we need to be careful with, with quote-unquote motivational speaking that says, you can be anything you want to be. You can decide who you want to be. In a sense, it is true because given the, the, the ability that God has given to man, right, and the power of choice, right, dictates that man can actually decide anything he wants to be. However, when you come to Christ, you lose that right to determine the steps of your life. You lose it to following Christ. And even for those that are not in Christ, they will never experience the fullness of their um, potential or what God planned for them, except they submit to the leading and to the direction of God. All right. So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 7. Please read if you are there. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 to 7. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. One, four to seven. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Wow. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. Mm. Um, oh, oh, that's it. Okay, please add this. I was just enjoying the scripture. Add this um, eight and nine, please. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. Mm -hmm. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, look, I've put my words in your mouth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, um, I mean, this is just, I really, again, it feels like I haven't read it before, but it's so powerful. So again, God was speaking to Jeremiah and he said, very similar to, to Isaiah's account. Jeremiah said, um, God spoke to Jeremiah and he said, before I formed you in your belly, in, in your mother's belly, I knew you. This tells us that we have, we had an existence with God before we were before we had a physical representation of our existence. So because look at what he said. God said, before I formed thee in the belly, meaning before your mother took in for you, before you were a fetus and you became a, a baby or, and all of that, before you were giving birth to, before there was ever a medical sign of life, right, in your mother's belly for you, God says, I knew you. What that suggests is, before we all came to this earth, right, God has an identity for us, and God knew us before we came to this earth. And our goal is to discover who we are. And, 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 and that experience happened in time. That identity existed in eternity, okay, before we, we were born into time. Our goal on earth is to discover who God made us to be in eternity so that we can live out that expression right here on earth. I want to make a digression before we come back here. Let's make a digression to John chapter 1. Um, just so many scriptures coming up to explain this. John chapter 1, verse, um, um, hold on a minute. John chapter 1, verse, um, this should be verse, give me one minute, please. Let me discover the scripture. Um, um, mm -mm -mm -mm. 
John chapter one, verse. Um, now I need people's help again. So the scripture that says about John the Baptist that the same came from God, that there was a man um, from God called John the Baptist, and the same came from God. And there's something I want to point out. Why am I not seeing it? Hmm. Okay. Forgive me, right? So I, I'll probably look for it later and send it. But the scripture is verse John. Verse 6. Check verse 6. Verse 6. Ah, thank you also for the rescue. Um, John chapter 1. Oh, good. John chapter 1, verse, verse 6. Exactly. Thank you very much, So God bless you. So John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 7 says, the same came for a witness. And this is where my emphasis is, is rather, that there was a man sent from God, John. He says, the same came. You know, that, that means, that suggests that there's a possibility that the person that was sent from God, all right, might not, might have manifested in time as in, and decided to choose a, a different route for life, all right? So for instance, there's someone that probably God sent right from his identity from eternity is that he is called to be a financer of the gospel, for instance. But then when the person comes in time, you'll find out that the person decides not to finance the gospel, rather he decides to open clubs all around the city. He, he, even though from God, he has an identity, but it is not the same person that came and manifested on earth. That is where, where I'm going to. So our identity with God exists before in eternity, before we were born into time. So our goal on earth is to discover that identity and then align ourselves with it and then live it out, express that identity. So back to Jeremiah chapter one. Thank you, Nonso, for the scripture. Jeremiah chapter one, verse, um, verse five again, it says, before I formed in the belly, I knew you. He says, before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nation. Listen, all of these things happened before he was born. So even though Jeremiah maybe was growing, when Jeremiah was growing up, for instance, maybe he envisioned that he wanted to be, he wanted to be a footballer, just for an instance now. He just said, oh, I like football so much. I want to be a footballer. He might have all those desires and he might even want, he might go, he might have gone to start training to play football. All right. But the moment God reveals this identity to him, he sees that his life is not his own to decide anymore. That before he was formed, God already, the Bible says that God already sanctified him and he ordained him. This ordination happened in eternity, not in time. This everything, everything in verse five happened before Jeremiah's mother conceived him. And this suggests to us that God, again, like I keep saying, God has an identity for us before we were born. And there's something that God has separated you onto. And that is what um, sanctification means. Being separate onto a particular course and a particular purpose, all right? Um, being separate onto a particular course and onto a particular purpose. So God sanctified us. So what I'm telling you today is that there's something God has sanctified you for that you probably have not yet started manifesting or you probably have not even discovered, you know, for some you've discovered it, but maybe are not yet manifesting in it, but there's something God has sanctified you for. 
Sanctified means he has separated you. For some, God has separated you to be a music minister. Some God has separated, separated you to be a business you know, owner. Or some God has separated you to be um, a, a, a songwriter or whatever it is. God has separated you to be something in him. And that separation happens in eternity. Okay, it happened in eternity, not in time. So our goal is that when we come into time, we discover what God had already sanctified us unto, and then we leave it out. So remember, he says, um, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, that I sanctified thee and I ordained you to be a prophet. Listen, Jeremiah might have been playing football, right, right when he was a, a child on earth, but God had already ordained him to be a prophet. What that means is that, in fact, and, and look at this now, if you look at the next verse, verse 6, he says that, oh, Lord, don't say because I'm just a child. You know, meaning he was, he was, he didn't feel he was qualified to be a prophet. He didn't feel he was mature enough. He probably felt shy, all right? And he didn't think that he was qualified to be who God has called him to be. But God says, you are already a prophet, regardless of how you feel about yourself. And this is the crux of the matter that there a lot of us have, in God's book, in God's in God's design, we'll be called to do great and mighty things, even though currently it doesn't look anything, our, our experience in life doesn't look anything like what God has called us to be. And this reminds me of, um, of Gideon, when God, when the angel appeared to Gideon, and the angel greeted Gideon with a kind, with a, with a greeting that was very strange to Gideon's experience. The angel said, hail, almighty man of valor. And I'm sure Gideon, probably looked around i'm like who are you talking to you get and Gideon said how can you say i'm a mighty man of value for 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 heaven's sake i am hiding to thresh the wheat um for so that we'll have food to eat even if you look at my my uh, my arrangement in the family we are the least my i'm the least in my family my family is the least in the clan the, everything the odds are just not in my favor how then can you call me mighty man of value it is because in god's eternal um, um, identity. He has called him a mighty man of valor, even though his circumstances don't look anything like that. And this is a situation. This, this is a situation for a lot of Christians that God has called us to be one thing or the other. But our identity, our sorry, our experience doesn't seem to match our identity in Christ Jesus. All right. And so, what we need to do first and foremost is to discover the identity. Because there is power in revelation. The moment God says, say, imagine the moment God spoke to, to Jeremiah and said, you are a prophet. I've called you to be a prophet of the nations. Jeremiah tried giving an excuse. And then God says, no, you stand before the people I, I, I send you to. You speak with boldness. And then he put his words in his mouth. From that moment onward, Jeremiah had boldness. And if you read the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations, you will know that Jeremiah was really a bold prophet for the kind of things he said. Okay, he, it was Jeremiah that prophesied to them and said, see, you people should, because they are just moved into captivity. And he told them and said, you'll be in captivity for 70 years. Even though there was a false prophet that was saying, you know, you people will be in captivity for only just a few years and then you'll be out. Jeremiah said, no, God says you'll be in captivity for 70 years. So you better settle down, marry, have children, plant vineyard, build your houses. You are not living here in a long while. It was a convenient thing to give people hope, to say, oh, don't worry, in two years, you'll be out. One year, you'll be out. It took boldness for Jeremiah to say that there'll be captivity for 70 years, such an inconvenient um, utterance. But that was exactly what happened. And that showed you that Jeremiah eventually became a bold prophet, even though as when God encountered him, he was so shy and he felt like he was a child. 
So God has an identity for us, and our responsibility is to discover that identity in God so that we can live out that identity. And a lot of times, many, so a lot of times, right, aside the persecution that comes, um, how, let me phrase it this way, aside the persecution that comes along the path of fulfilling destiny, sometimes and many times the constraints we feel is as a result of the fact that we're not working in line with our identity. So there's the pressure we feel because, or there's the, there's the turbulence in life we feel because we are not working in line with our identity. And, and that's separately different from the you know, challenges we would naturally would face because we're working in, in the part of our destiny. And one of the major differences is that if you're working in the part of your identity, when challenges come, there'll be sufficient grace to match the challenge. But when you are working outside the path of your identity, when challenges come, you find out that there's no grace to, to prosecute that challenge, to go through that experience and come out victorious, all right? Um, so let me see what else we're in verse seven. Um, okay, God spoke to him, I commanded you and all of that. And um, he says, I put my words in your mouth, you know, and that's it. So I read this, all these three scriptures, and that is First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to eight. Then we read Isaiah chapter 49, verse one to five. And just now we read Jeremiah chapter one, verse four to verse nine. So we read all these scriptures to just to give us an introduction and to really show us that God has an identity for us that preceded our existence in time. And the way I put it is that we have an identity in eternity that existed before we were born into time. And our responsibility is to discover that identity. It is a unique identity. Yes, we have a corporate identity like I explained earlier on, but we also have a unique identity in Christ. And um, that's what um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 18 explains to us how that the, even though the, the body is one whole, whole body, yet there are several parts in the body. And just like that, we also have several functions in the body of Christ. All right, so moving on, I want to read out some things before we, we now look at, at an example in Abraham, okay? So some things I jotted here, and again, apologies that we don't have the slides. We couldn't have slides ready, ready today. Um, I explained earlier there was a technical difficulty we had to sort out. All right, so um, first thing I said here is that you have an identity with God in eternity that precedes your introduction to time. So I'm just reading out some points um, that I wrote down, you know, um, systematically. So I said here that you have an identity with God in eternity that precedes your introduction to time. All right, and we looked at this in Isaiah and also in Jeremiah. I also said here that there is nothing on earth you do that will be meaningful to heaven outside of who God has called you to be in him. Let me take that again. There's nothing you do on earth. And I'm sure someone will have a question and say, uh -uh, but what about all this... <laughs> I don't mention names now, but what about all these, you know, wealthy millionaires and billionaires that own businesses? Are you saying all the impact they've made doesn't matter? What I'm telling you is that outside of God, there's nothing you do that would reckon, a, that would make a mark in heaven as if, it, if it is not done in Christ. And, and I'm sure there are questions from this, but I, I don't ask questions. So when we get to Q&A session, we can talk about it. But let me read what I said again that there is nothing on earth you do that will be meaningful to heaven outside of who God has called you to be. Heaven identifies you based on its own record, not on, on your own decision. Heaven identifies you based on what you see. You know, I, I know this is a, an entirely a joke, but I want to draw 
and illustration from it you know um i had a comedian say one time that with the way ladies are doing and please ladies no offense so just it's just a joke to buttress our illustration uh buttress a point and the comedian said that with the way ladies are doing makeup that with the way some ladies do makeup that if the angel comes with a package and he sees them the angel doesn't recognize who he's seeing and he has to go back to heaven and say god we came to the house over this we did not meet the, this person you know what what that means for us is that some people live a totally different identity from who God has called them to be. And because God's resources, God's grace, God's, God's uh, blessings are in the direction of who he has called you to be, we might never tangibly hold what God has already designed for us in our lifetime because we are living a separate identity from the original identity. Do you get what I mean? All right. So next thing I said here is that because this identity existed before our birth, we are not called to determine it. We are called to discover it. Let me take that again. Because this identity existed before our birth, right? We are not called to determine it. That's why we're not called to determine this identity. We are called to discover it. And I've said this um, a couple of times already. Our, our responsibility is not to determine who we are. When you come to Christ, you don't determine who you are. You discover who you are. Who you are has already been determined by God, and let me, it is so. It is so much. It is so much work to for you to even determine who you are because the responsibility of who you are is borne by the person who determines it. So if you want to determine who you are, that means the responsibility of your life will be on you. So you have to fend for yourself in life. You have to cater for yourself. You have to plan your life, and that is just too much work for a human being. So God determines who we are and he bears the responsibility for who we are. Hallelujah. All right. So again, I said that because this identity existed before our birth, we are not called to determine it. We are called to discover it. All right. Next, I said here that you can only know who you truly are when you are within the government of the one who knew you before you were born. I will take that again. And again, I really wish we had slides to, to, to display all this. But I'll take that again. You can only know who you truly are when you are within the government of the one who knew you before you were born. What this means is that there's only one person that knew you before you were born. And that it wasn't your, your parents. It was not the devil. It wasn't angels. It was God. God is the one who knew you before you were born. And you can only discover that identity, right? When you are when you operate within his government, that's within the government of God. And I intentionally put it this way because if I say you can only know the you can only know who you are unless you are a Christian, there are many Christians that are not operating within the government of God. And if you don't operate within the government of God, you can never discover your true identity. The fact that one is a Christian is not an automatic guarantee that they will discover who they are what gives god the avenue to reveal your identity to you is that you are operating within his government and as you operate within his government he begins to reveal to you layer by layer face by face he reveals to you who you are all right so uh, let me read this point again that you can only know who you truly are when you are within the government of the one who knew you before you were born and what this also means is that because the devil did not know you before you were born, you cannot discover identity in, under his government. 
God, the devil will give you his own identity for you. He will label you what he wants you to, what he wants you to be. All right, but it, it can never be the original identity. So only those who stay under the government of God have the opportunity to discover who um, they truly are in Christ. All right. So um, the next point I said here is that our purpose in life cannot be dissociated from our identity. Our purpose in life cannot be dissociated or separated from our identity, meaning that who the purpose that God wants us to fulfill on earth is an integral part of our identity. It's they are tied together. They are they are they come, go hand in hand. So who God has called us to be is directly linked to what He has called us to do. All right, and let me. I think that last point is very important. Let me say it again. Who God has called us to be is directly linked with who, what he has called us to do. Let me take it for the last time. Who God has called us to be is directly linked with who, with what he has called us to do. All right. And then lastly here, I said that you will see the greatest expression of God's grace in the activities that align with your identity. Hmm. And this, I think I want to stay on this for a bit that you would see the greatest expression of God's grace hmm, when you are doing the activities that align with your identity in Christ. So for instance, let me, let me use an example now. Aside the fact that naturally I don't have the voice to sing, <laughs> and no fault of mine, you know, God distributed his gifts wonderfully and he, somehow he didn't give me the voice to sing uh, very well. But aside the fact that I don't have the voice to sing, I am also not called to be a music minister, all right? So I'm not called to minister to, to God's people through songs. And if I try to say, I, I, you, know, you know the things that I can decide to say, oh, maybe I look at someone like uh, Minister Natanabasi and I admire him so much. And I said, I want to also sing like, like um, Pastor Natanabasi. And so I go to voice training school and I train my voice, which is very possible, all right? I can train my voice to an extent to sing. And then I go to train my voice to sing. And I say, yes, I will also go and learn how to play the trumpet. And I learn how to play the trumpet. Then I say, now I'm ready to be a music minister. I would, I would, <laughs> I would suffer so much trying to leave out that identity because it is not who I am called to be. It will be a, a, a permanent struggle to minister to people in songs because that is not who God has called. At least that one, I'm very sure. God has not called me to do that. However, one area that I know God has called me is the area of teaching. So I noticed that even in times when I, let me say it this way, even times when I have not really studied as much as I want to, if somebody comes and asks a question, because it is part of my identity to teach, I find out that there's so much grace to explain the word of God. There's so much ease and there's grace to um, to just share the scripture and even to get insights, all right, and to minister to people in that dimension. That is because it is my identity. So the grace of God available in your life is in alignment with the identity of God. And this is why it is important to know your unique identity, because maybe some, someone here is struggling to do something that God has not called you to do, or God has not identified you as. The moment you can realize your identity and God reveals it to you, I'm, I show you, you see an enormous amount of grace in the direction of your identity. So when you carry out activities that are in alignment with your identity, the grace of God is released upon it. And one of the ways we, we, um, 
we see the grace of God manifest is that it, there's ease in doing it. In fact, there's, I can call someone to sing now and the person, if a person is called to minister in music, the person will just flow in the anointing to sing quickly. Meanwhile, if you call me to sing, that's of all, you will not enjoy my voice. Secondly, I will be struggling to find the anointing because it's not my calling to minister to people in songs. Do you get that? For someone, you might be called again to finance the gospel, right? Through businesses and all of that. You will notice that business ideas come to you effortlessly. You know, I have a friend that I, I, you, I don't know how this guy thinks. I mean, he wakes up almost every single morning with a business idea. And he can explain the concept. See, in, in, he can get inspiration in five minutes, explain the details of the process. And me, I might, I might probably do one month of fasting before I get one business idea. But this guy wakes up to it effortlessly. That's because it is, that is his identity. The grace of God at work in his life is in that direction. All right? So it is super important we know our identity. And I'm sure you probably are asking, how do we do that? And we're going to look at that soon. Um, if time permits us. <laughs> All right, but super important to know your identity in Christ Jesus because that is where the grace of God will flow in that direction, okay? So the last point I, I put here says, you would see the greatest expression of God's grace in the activities that align with your identity. Praise Jesus. All right, so I want us to look at a case study in Abraham. Um, and I, I will probably wrap up with this one, um, but let's see. I mean, if we if we're not able to finish, we'll continue next week, all right? But I, and I, I don't want to rush this, so we would let's see how far we can take in the next few minutes. Okay, we want to look at a case study in Abraham, all right? And let's see how God operates, how God works with us in our with our with this identity um, matter, how God operates in our lives. So Romans chapter four, verse sixteen to verse eighteen. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. But before we read, I mean, while you're turning to the book of Romans, if everything so far has been making sense, drop a comment in the chat. Let me know if you're following. If um, so far you understand and it's making sense so far, just drop a comment in the chat so that I know we are together. Are you learning something? Are you, are you, is, is something triggering in your heart? Is there something building up in your spirit? Just let me know. Okay, thank you, Faith. I see your thumbs up. Anybody else? Drop a comment. Um, drop an emoji, both on Mixeller and on Zoom, while we turn to Romans chapter four. Okay, none. So thank you. I see that. Um, Romans chapter four. Where are we? Anybody else? Zoom. I'm waiting for you guys. Okay, Jacob says plenty sense. Thank you. To me, gives a thumbs up. Thank you. All right, good. So we're together. Um, people on Mixeller, I, I have not seen anything from us yet, so I'm waiting for us. But we are turning to Romans chapter 4. Please, let's open there. Romans chapter 4. Okay, Romans chapter, okay, Toby Loba, yep, I see you. Thank you very much. All right, so Romans chapter 4 verse, and I think we'll end on this note so we can have a discussion. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Romans 4, verse 16 to 18. Please read if you are there. Romans 4, 16. The promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. And now it extends to all descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, 
but mm -hmm. also to those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father. For in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that do not even exist yet. 18, against all odds, when he looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. And okay. as a result, he became the father of many nations. All right, so hallelujah. No, no, verse 18, yes, that's fine. Verse 18 is verse okay. is fine. So I want us to drill down and look at something carefully, right, in verse 17 and verse 18, okay? So I want to pick out some things. Thank you very much, Faith, for reading. Um, oh, by the way, Mixella, yes, I see your comments. Thank you. You're following me. Um, I see awesome thumbs up, thumbs up. Great, great. Thank you. All right, so let's read verse, let's look at verse 17 and verse 18 critically, okay? So, of course, we see that verse 16, that it was by faith and by grace and all of that. But emphasis is in verse 17, starting from verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. So this was God, this was, um, so Paul here was referencing what God said to Abraham, that I have made thee a father of many nations. Meaning that in the sight of God, it was already a done deal that Abraham was the father of many nations. And in the sight of God, in the sight of God, Abraham's identity was the father of many nations. Meaning if you go to heaven, right, and you ask, you are looking for the father of many nations, they'll point to you and say, that's Abraham, that's Abraham. But on earth, Abraham did not have any child at all. In fact, Abraham at some point was, was almost losing faith. And he said to God, God, is this how we are going to leave me? That is it my servant that would be the, the heir of all my properties? And God had to reassure him and say, no, I'm going to give you a son of your own. And at some point, Abraham, under pressure and from the suggestion of his wife, yielded to an alternative um, route of getting his own child. And that's how Ishmael came about. But God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. But there was one challenge. In the sight of God, and you know, this is the way God speaks. God, God speaks in past tense because there is no... Time doesn't. Time is not a is not a factor with God. What I mean that what I mean by that is, God is not limited by time. What God, what you are looking at as something that God will do, God is telling that He has already done it. All right, and, and a perfect example is um, when Peter says, "By His stripes we have been healed." Somebody might be feeling sick currently, but in the sight of God, I've already healed you. So there's a gap, then there's a world of difference usually between what God sees us as, and then what we currently experience. And this was the case of Abraham. Because God said to Abraham, I have made you in past tense. God was not trying to make Abraham. What that suggests is that right from eternity, God had already de de designed Abraham to be the father of many nations. And so when God comes to Abraham to speak to him, Abraham's, God speaks to Abraham as though Abraham already has children. Even though currently there's, there's no sign of any child. In fact, the hope of having a child had, lodged, had naturally expired because of his age, because of Sarah's age, all hope was lost. But yet God still called Abraham the father of many nations. In fact, it came to a point where God had to change his name from Abraham to Abraham and change Sarah, Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah, just to show that I have already made you. So this is usually where a lot of believers find themselves, that maybe by revelation they've, they've understood who God has called them to be, they've understood their identity in God, 
But when they look at their life, it does not look like their identity in any way. So what then is the matter? Or what, what, what do we do in such situations? Okay. So let's read verse 17 again. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. And it says, goes on to say, before whom, before him whom he believed, that is Abraham believed God, even God, that's this same God that quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. This is where the matter is, that God calls those things that be not as though they were. God calls you prosperous, even though you don't look like it. God calls you a, a worker of miracles, even though right now you are still struggling to heal somebody's headache. God calls you a, an international music minister, even though right now the only songs you sing are in your bathroom. God calls you a, a financier of the gospel, even though right now you're probably looking for money to pay your rent. God calls you so many things, right? Because he calls those things that be not as though they were. And when we understand the language of God, we will know how to begin to step in in faith. Because God, like I said, God doesn't, so in, your, in our eyes, for instance, we're waiting for year 2020 to come. And we are believing that in the year, sorry, year 2022, sorry. We're believing that in the year 2022, um, mighty things will come, will happen. In the sight of God, God says, God will speak in this manner and says, in the year 2022, I, I gave you three houses. I gave you a business. I gave you global influence. I gave you, and you're wondering, God, when did you give me? Because I'm still in 2021. That's because God calls those things that be not as though they were. And when you know, understand this, it, it sponsors your faith because the moment you realize your identity and that your identity has already been settled before you were born, all you've, you'll be left to do is, is, to, is for your physical experience to catch up with the identity, identity that already exists. Hallelujah. Now let's go to verse, 20, verse 18, sorry. <clears throat> Now, talking about Abraham, he says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. So do you see this now? That all Abraham did on earth was so that he could, his experience, his physical experience and physical condition will now eventually align with his heavenly identity. So he says that who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so that so shall thy seed be. So the reason why Abraham stayed in hope, right, and consequently in faith was so that his experience will begin to match his identity. That is what he says. He says, who against all, all beliefs? He says, so that he might become the father of many nations. You know, when I read this scripture, my eyes opened. I said, how come Abraham was hoping so that he could become, even though God in verse 17 already said, I have made you. That means that there is a making and then there is a becoming. There is a making which he represents our identity. God has already made you. In fact, um, um, Jesus Christ spoke to Peter and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. All right. They did not become fishers of men practically immediately, but as an identity, God had already designated them fishers of men. Meaning the moment they follow Jesus, God automatically made them fishers of men, even though their physical experience didn't look like it. And it, it took some time for the manifestation of that, but it eventually happened. So our work of faith, right, and our work with God is to ensure that our present condition matches our heavenly identity. 
And this is where faith comes in. And again, this is why it is super important that we work with God. Because if we do not work with God, we would experience what, what, what I call frustration, what I call destiny frustration. That you know, and it's a very painful thing, that you know who God has called you to be, but you are not seeing it manifest. And it is now not a question of time now, but it's a question of us following and keeping in step. The reason is because, just like Abraham, even though God had already made him a father of many nations, he did not become the father of many nations automatically. For many, in fact, for, for us as Christians, and almost always, we go through a process, we go through a journey. And that journey is, to, is for us to become what God has already made us to be. A good example is, um, um, Je sorry, Joseph, right? God showed, showed Joseph right from the age of 17 that Joseph was going to be a leader. I mean, his family will bow to him. The sun and the moon will bow to him. Um, his brothers will bow to him. God had already showed him. And in the sight of God, he, that was his identity. But God had to take Joseph through a journey so that his, uh, his condition will eventually catch up with his identity. And let me say this, that it is not every experience, it's not every negative experience we go through that is necessarily from the devil. Many times God allows us go through, uh, you, know, you know, James, I'll, I'll read the book of James now, right? It allows us go through, through experiences that would test our patience so that God can work in us the, his character, his qualities, his properties, so that eventually we can now attain the status of our identity. Because for instance, now let's say someone that God has already de designated to be a financier of the gospel, like in millions of dollars, right? He's going to be so wealthy and the purpose of the wealth is to finance the gospel. If God does not deal with that person's pride, God doesn't deal with the person's greed, God doesn't deal with the person's um, fleshly inclinations, what will happen? Imagine if God just gives the person all that money at once. All that money would be the reason for the person's destruction. The person will walk in arrogance and pride. And because God is a just God, some of the things he cannot tolerate, he cannot tolerate regardless who you are. And then God would obviously judge the person based on his um, you know, disposition and character in life. So to help that person, God will take the person through a journey in life that every stage of that journey would read him of the qualities that do not re represent Christ. Okay, so for instance, maybe someone has, God has called someone to be an international, um, say, music minister. But God knows that if I expose this person to fame right now, ha, while are they, we will not hear what he gained. He will just go on Instagram and be saying rubbish and just be saying something, something, and just be saying whatever he wants to say. If we expose him to fame, he might not be able to handle the pressure that comes from attention. So you know what we're going to do? We'll put him in the backside of the mountain. Let me, let's work on his character. Let's strip him of the need to the need of affirmation from people. You know, people that um, you know, there are people that, that that just that live on live off of what other people say. So God will strip you of that flaw in your character. Then God will say, okay, you are almost ready, but you see the way you talk to people, Kai. If you, when you're angry, the way you open your mouth like this is disaster. If I bring introduce you to fame, you one day you'll be angry and then you just do an Instagram live session and my name will be in the mud. So let's work on that your mouth. And then God will take you through another one, one year of mouth reconstruction. And every journey God takes us is so that we, we can become who he has made us to be. Do we get that? I hope this makes sense, all right? So God 
Again, let me just go by this last point and we're, we're done. So God has already made us to be a certain identity. Our role is to discover that identity. However, we don't, our current experience doesn't automatically align with that identity many times. God has to take us through processes, you know, even process, processes that will challenge your faith, all right, and, and help you trust and rely on God more and more. And then through those experiences, God begins to build you up to become who he has made you to be. And that's why he says that, um, verse 18 says, who, who against hope believed in hope. This was Abraham. There was no reason to hope, yet Abraham still hoped again. And then in that way, he now became the father of many nations, okay? So when God takes us through journeys like this, it might not always be comfortable, it might not always be convenient, but his purpose is that he wants our current experience to match up with our eternal identity, hallelujah, okay? So let me just read some things I put here. I said here that God determines our identity and reveals it to us so that we can walk with him and so we become in experience who he has called us to be or who he has made us to be, all right? And I said here that many times our present condition does not reflect the fullness of our identity. And when we discover that, what it simply means is that we need to walk with God. As we walk with God, we keep on conforming to the image that he has called us to be. Hallelujah. I said I was going to read James chapter 1. Let me read that and we'll take um, you know, questions and contributions. James chapter 1... Um, where are we now? James, sorry, I was in somewhere else. James chapter 1, verse 2, um, verse 2 to 4. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. So the word temptations here um, is not, doesn't, mean, doesn't mean what we typically understand to be. It simply means trials or tribulations, all right? Um, it doesn't mean temptations as in weakness of your flesh. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, that's trials and all of that. Verse 3 say, says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. So when you're going, when you are in situations that um, test you, it is because those situations are working in you patience. Remember, the Bible says we should follow those who through faith and patience have obtained the prize. So it is not just enough to have faith. Your faith, your, your patience must also be built. Okay. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but patience, it comes by trial and, and, and persecution. Sorry, I'm laughing. All right, so let me say that, take that again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but patience is built by difficult situations. It's not ice cream and pizza that will build patience. It's when you are in situations that it seems like there's no way out that patience will be built. That is why the kind of situation Abraham was in. When he says, Abraham, against all hope, Abraham hoped again. That is kind of situation that builds patience inside of you, okay? So verse two says, sorry, verse three says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Verse four now says, but let patience finish her work. Listen, he says, you should allow patience, meaning there are people that don't allow patience to finish their work. They get into uncomfortable situations and they say, I beg, I beg, am I the only one that is serving Jesus? Let me look for an easy way out. And then they, they cut corners, all right? So he says, let patience finish her work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. That means lacking nothing. Meaning when, when patience finishes his work, you become mature. What is that maturity? The maturity means you are now ready to, in your experience, become the identity that God has made you to be. So when God takes us through journeys in life, it is because he wants us to, 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 he wants to build us into what he has already made us to be. 
Listen, your identity is already settled. It is your experience on earth that needs to confirm. And God takes us through a journey so that our experience, our character, our you know, inclinations, our desires, everything begins to align with his will. And then we can manifest the identity we have. He has already um, made us to be in heaven. Praise Jesus. All right, I hope you learned a thing or two. We will stop here. Um, I, I, I mean, we're not done really. There's, there's a part which is an obvious question. How then do we discover this identity? But we can't cover it today. We'll cover that next week. So um, I hope you learned a thing or two. If you have questions, please, this is the time to take questions. If you have any question, please go ahead and um, let us know. People on MixLR, please feel free to type in your questions and I'll read it out and we will talk about it. All right. So please, questions, 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 questions or contributions, really. Um, any co contribution you want to make so far, something you've learned today, or you have a question you want to ask, the floor is open to us. The floor is open to us. Hi, Victor. Hi, Faith. More like I need clarification or something. So okay. um, you mentioned or you cited examples where um, someone does something effortlessly, probably mm -hmm. gets business ideas without really thinking and all of that. And yeah. then he points to the fact that he points to his identity and then you can say, oh, this person is this. So mm -hmm. is it possible that you're really good at something? However, it's not what God is calling you to do. I don't know if you get my Yes, yes, yes. Okay, the answer to your question is an absolute yes, all right? Uh, but I need to also explain why. Um, so the question again is, is it possible to be really good at something, but yet that is not what God is calling you to do? And the answer is yes, all right? Um, um, for instance, for instance, for instance, someone might, be, someone might be really good at singing, but God is not calling you to be a music minister. God is probably calling you to... Um, probably just write songs, but not necessarily minister in songs. Or God is, might even be calling you today, pastor. You know, and I and there's a there's a man of God, right, an apostle that he really loves singing. And at some point, he thought he was going to be a music minister, and then God revealed to him that no, you are called to be an apostle, and then that's what he's doing currently. So your your and and this is this is already tilting into what we're going to talk in next week. But it's fine since you asked it. Your um, how do I put it? The activities you are proficient in may be a pointer, but it is not an ultimate pointer to your identity. The ultimate pointer to your identity is what God reveals to you personally. But again, there's an explanation to this, so I won't go into that. Um, but yeah, your, your, what really affirms your identity is that God reveals it to you, and he usually reveals it to you from his word. That is a more solid um, basis to, um, to place your identity on. Then there are other things which could include things that you're proficient in and all of that. Uh, but that alone is not an indication, indication of your identity. The ultimate indication is what God reveals to you personally. I hope that answers your question. Faith, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. There's a question on Mixeller, right? Someone asked and said, how best can one overcome identity crisis? Amazing and very, very, very awesome question. Um, before I answer, let me throw this out, 
right? So let me let me share answers from us before I give my own answer. So does someone want to help answer the question, how best can one overcome identity crisis? And, and you know, identity crisis is a big issue in the whole world right now, okay? So how best can one overcome identity crisis? Someone wants to help us with an answer before I give mine. Anybody wants to help us with an answer? How best do we overcome identity crisis? Oh, no one wants to help. Okay. okay. All right, let me. Um, give okay, go ahead. Yeah. I would say that the fact that the person um, says that they have an identity crisis mm -hmm. once the fact that they do not know their identity, right? Mm -hmm. Like they feel like they are this or they are that. They really do not know who they are. I think mm -hmm. that's the whole idea behind identity crisis. So I yeah. think to be able to solve it is to know who you are. And that's what we're trying to we are discussing here. And to know who you are is to ask God to reveal to you your identity. I think that's my change. Fantastic. Yes, fantastic. Um, um, fantastic. Okay, if I say what I want to say, anyone else wants to... Yes, no, so go ahead, please. Uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the identity crisis um, is quite uh, a, a very serious matter. Mm -hmm. So but sometimes, sometimes we take it more, will I say, um, off the main point, what it's actually supposed to be and all. Yes. So the point up for me is even begin with the common ones let the person begin with the common things that the or the simple things that the bible has said concerning us right like you're righteous you're holy you're this you're that most mm -hmm. times when people struggle with identity management it begins from this little little not being able to even accept in your heart that these little, little ones are actually talking about you, mm -hmm. right? Then some people come to another point where they are, they are scared to take a step because they feel like, oh, I don't know if this is actually what God wants me to do. Yeah. And, and hold so many people back. The truth is we, we trust God to lead us all the way. We mm -hmm. pray to God for direction and we believe him for insight as we walk along. So sometimes you might also need to take that step, right? Trusting God to lead you through and also trusting God. The trust now is not just that God is going to help reveal to you uh, mm -hmm. your identity or what you're supposed to do per time. The trust mm -hmm. also extends the point that God can as well pull you out should you not be doing the right thing, mm, right? Mm. So sometimes, yeah, it, it, it's, it's true that, yes, we're supposed to always be in purpose, always do stuff, always make sure that, yeah, what we're doing is what God wants us to do and all that. But let's yeah. not just let that limit us as well, because sometimes, many at times, or even most of the times, mm -hmm. the, the picture is usually not clear 100%. It's yeah. as we keep yeah. moving, the Lord will keep revealing to us along yeah. the way. Yeah, I just wanted to like uh, make that little contribution. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much for that. Um, someone dropped a comment in Mixella to answer this question. He says, I think first by discovering what God says about you, 
and align your thoughts and confessions with what he says. Let God define your identity and agree with it and let that reflect and direct other areas of your life. Amazing. So I'm happy that we are all pretty much saying the same thing, you know, from different dimensions. And let me just summarize everything you say. The first is that you cannot really discover your identity outside of God. And this is a mistake that several people have made throughout generations that sometimes they think, oh, if I get more money, I'll feel satisfied. But they get more money and they're not satisfied. Or if I win this award, I'll be satisfied. They get it, they're not satisfied. If I marry the hottest wife or the wealthiest husband, I'll be satisfied. And they're not satisfied. And at the end of their life, there's still a dissatisfaction. And the greatest dissatisfaction comes from this matter of identity crisis, not knowing who you are. Because one who is satisfied, one who rather knows who he is or she is, is always satisfied, even when the material things might not be there in abundance. You get what I mean? And the only way we can discover identity is in Christ Jesus. And I like what Nonso said. Let's first start with the basics and the general things. What does God say about you as a believer? Okay, you are the righteousness of God. You are the apple of my eye. Um, you are, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You are a chosen generation. Start by appropriating those, the scripture to yourself, personalize it to yourself. And that's what um, Chris on Mixella also said. Start by appropriating that to yourself, first and foremost. Then as you do that, God now, and like just like Nonso says, you now grow into discovering your unique identity, which is why last week we first started with our corporate identity. And there's so many things we did we couldn't go into last week, all right? But we started with our corporate identity because it applies to everyone. And you first of all need to know corporately who you are in Christ. That's what applies to every believer. And when you do that, you can now grow into the knowledge of your own unique identity. And when it comes to the knowledge of our unique identity, again, right, just like Nonso said, it is layer by layer. You wouldn't, God wouldn't reveal everything about you at once. So your work, your constant work with God gives God the opportunity to continue to unveil that revelation knowledge. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. I hope that question was answered. Please let us know um, on Mixer if it was answered. Um, hmm. can I take one more question? I, I am afraid not. I am afraid not. I'm afraid not. Okay. Is there any question, pressing question you want to ask before we go? Um, last question. Going, going, going. Any question? Going, gone. Okay, awesome. So share with us in one minute. What did you learn? Um, just two people. Please volunteer and share with us in one, in 30 seconds. One thing you learned today before we pray and we go. What you learned today, just one thing you learned today in 30 seconds. Uh, Mixer, please, you can type in one thing you learned today um, before we go. One thing, one thing, anyone? Anyone wants to help us? Okay, so yes, the question was answered. Thank you. Anyone, one thing you learned today before we go? Oh, nobody. Ah, okay, that's fine. But I believe, okay, learn something, just give a thumbs up or drop it in chat and say, I learned something and then we're good to go. All right. Um, before we pray, let me welcome anyone joining us together, joining us today, sorry, for the first time. Uh, okay, thumbs up from Nonso. Thank you, I see that. Anyone joining us today for the very first time, please, we would love to meet you. Let us know your name. Um, let us know who invited you or how you discovered us and then also where you are joining us from. So please let us know. I would like to meet you if you're joining us for the very first time. 
Hi, my name is Akubeze. Hi, I'm Akubeze. joining for the first time today. Ooh. Yes, my friend Choma invited me and awesome. I came a bit late, so I'll definitely tune in next week on time. But so far, I'm already so inspired and it's already in line with, you know, the word I've been getting from God. So it's just so timely and I love how practical your explanation is as well. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Please let's let's welcome Akubeze to the um, to our Bible community. Um, one more thing though, where are you joining us from? Uh, what part of the what city in the world are you joining us from? I'm currently in Abuja. Okay, awesome. In Lagos, yeah. Do you have to? And where are you from? Actually, I don't know much about the, the fellowship. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. So I'm going to introduce. I'm going. I'm going to do that right away. So we are called Borderless Christian Community. We're a community of people that love Jesus and want to grow and want to grow spiritually, basically. And we do this mainly through Bible study and um, through prayers. All right. So our Bible studies are typically online every Tuesday by seven eight seven p.m. Sorry, seven p.m. Nigerian time. Um, however, we have fiscal meetings once in a while. So in Lagos, we've had about three fiscal meetings, and the next one is coming up on the 27th of November, which is a little, a little less than two weeks from now, if I'm correct. About 10 days or thereabout from now. 27th of November, we'll have a fiscal meeting, and I'm going to put, up the, put out the details shortly. But also, we have another a fiscal, another fiscal meeting in Abuja next month on the 11th of December. So please, if you're in Abuja around that time, would love you to join us, all right? And if you're in if you're in Lagos, yes, you can join us for our fiscal meeting in Lagos. So Abuja's fiscal meeting is on the 11th of December. Again, I'll put out the um, put out information on our WhatsApp group, all right? Then Lagos fiscal meeting is on the 27th. So we have an amazing time together. Um, so I would like for you to join our WhatsApp group. Um, Faith just dropped the link in the uh, in our chat. So please join our WhatsApp group and you have easy access to every information, you know, as they come up. Okay, I hope that answers your question. I could be using. Thank you. Yes, it does. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Um, on Mixeller, someone said what they learned today is that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Patience, come, patience comes through trials. Awesome. Um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot, especially from the response to the question. Thank God for that. Okay. So thanks all for everyone for joining us today. You want if you want to listen to this again, we have a podcast channel and this will be uploaded latest by tomorrow. Um, it will be ready. And again, we'll send a link to our group on WhatsApp for everyone to listen to. So let's conclude with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit that was present to give us revelation, to give us utterance, to give us understanding to your word. We thank you because we are confident in our identity in you. We are not like people of the world trying to determine and decide who we are, dilly-dallying and spending years without, without a firm conviction of who we are. We are happy that even before we were born, you already determined our identity and you have given us the privilege, privilege to discover that identity in you. We are, say, we are saying thank you and we are grateful for that. Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us to continue to work with you so that we can, we can express and experience greater dimensions of the identity that you have already called us to live out in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, everlasting Father. 
to you be all the praise and all the glory in jesus mighty name we have prayed amen amen please one quick thing before we go